0: This is KGNU's Morning Magazine for Wednesday, October 26th of 2022. I'm your host, Hannah Stewart. Thank you for joining us here on listener-supported community radio. Coming up on today's program, we'll hear a local election rundown from Shay Castle of Boulder Beat News. Then we'll go to court, community court, at the Boulder Band Show. Chris Moore will have his weekly commentary make them hear you, And then herbalist Brigitte Mars will bring us her regular Wednesday feature, Naturally. A BBC News update is at the bottom of the hour, then it's the Hightower Lowdown. After that, Shannon Young will host a forum with the candidates running to represent the Boulder County area at the Regional Transportation District. Then at 9 a.m., Sam Fuqua will host a discussion on the petition process in Boulder. At 9.30, Shauna Sprawls will be in the Boulder Studio for the Morning Sound Alternative. That's all still ahead this morning, but first a look at the headlines with KGNU's Christian Gadabai.
1: Denver Public Schools released an official list yesterday that recommends the closure of 10 schools for the 2023 through 2024 school year. This district cites recent budget shortfalls and declining enrollments at each of these schools. The schools on the list either have fewer than 215 students or fewer than 275 students and are currently projected to keep declining. The schools on the closure recommendation list include Columbian Elementary, Palmer Elementary, Math Science Leadership Academy, Schmidt Elementary, Eagleton Elementary, Fairview Elementary, International Academy of Denver at Harrington, Denver Discovery School, and Whittier K-8. The closure of the schools would affect more than 1,700 people. DPS will present the closure plan on November 3rd to a Board of Education, while the vote for the closure will happen on November 17th. The upset parents of students that attend schools in the Boulder Valley School District attended a school board meeting last night in which they requested that board members review the policy on school safety after the arrest of a former student that made violent threats to Fairview High School. The parents specifically requested that they review the communication policy between students and faculty and that they return the school resource officers. BVSD voted to remove police resource officers after years of debate for the first time this year. They denied requests to reinstate a school resource officer at last night's meeting but said they would consider reviewing communication policies between students and faculty. Denver's Office of Climate Action, Sustainability, and Resiliency announced this week that they will pause the release of new e-bike vouchers for the rest of the year. The announcement comes after the popularity of the e-bike vouchers overwhelmed the program. The $9 million in subsidies were meant to last at least three years but were used up in the first six months of the program. Denver officials say they will relaunch a reconfigured program with increased funding next year. They say part of the new plan focuses on making sure low-income citizens will benefit more from the program. Colorado officials are also working on a statewide version of the program that will cost about $12 million and will work outside of Denver City limits. According to the Colorado Sun, that program will begin in early 2023. Trump allies are targeting Colorado's Latino voters with anti-transgender messaging using Spanish mailers and radio ads. KG News Claire Purnell has more.
2: Latino voters across Colorado and Greeley found transphobic political mailers in their mailboxes this week. According to the Colorado Sun Stephen Miller, a former aide to Trump, leads the dark money profit that has begun targeting Latino voters in the largely democratic areas. The campaign also includes radio ads. Latino residents report that the transphobic mailers include a photo of Rachel Levine, a Biden appointee and the first transgender person to hold a federal office, with a note saying President Biden and his liberal allies are pushing radical and irreversible gender experiments on children. Latino voters make up nearly 39 percent of the electorate population in the 8th district, spanning from the northeast Denver suburbs into Greeley. The Spanish-language mailers and radio ads are a way to target Latino voters with misinformation to sway the upcoming election results. For KGNU, I'm Claire Purnell.
1: Douglas County deputies killed two people at an RTD station this morning. The Douglas County Sheriff's Office announced in an early morning tweet that officers were patrolling the RTD Lincoln Station parking lot in Lone Tree when they saw a suspicious black Kia without a license plate and the locks punched out. When deputies approached the vehicle, suspects opened fire. Six deputies fired back at the two suspects in the car. They were both killed. A deputy was transported with minor injuries. The department later tweeted the vehicle in the question had been stolen. Expect lower temperatures and partly cloudy weather throughout the Front Range today. In Boulder, a high of 55 and a low of 37. In Denver, a high of 58 and a low of 38. In Fort Collins, a high of 55 and a low of 37. For kg I'm Christian Garibay.
0: You are listening to The Morning Magazine on KGNU. I'm your host, Hannah Stewart. The midterms are just under two weeks away, and Colorado voters should have already received their ballots in the mail. This fall, Boulder County residents will vote on local measures like wildfire mitigation, changes to taxes, the formation of a library district, the annexation of CU South, and more. That's nowhere near an exhaustive list of what's on the ballot this November, but it can be exhausting having to weed through blue books and ballot guides. Today, we have Boulder Beach Shay Castle to give us an overview. Thank you for coming on the program this morning, Shay. Thanks for having me. What would you say are the top three issues that residents, specific to Boulder County and City of Boulder, are faced with voting on this November?
3: Oh, man, top three. <laughs> um, well... Since if we're talking local, because a couple of the state measures are really important, we've got an income tax um, adjustment and uh, affordable housing funding measure, which I think are going to be super important to Boulder County folks, given our housing crisis. But locally, we've got three county taxes, and I'll kind of lump them all together, even though that's three things into one item. Um, And we do have the library district, which is going to be another tax measure. And uh, we also have a um, a Boulder Valley School District bond, which again another another thing that will impact taxes so the Boulder County taxes that I first mentioned are all um, sales tax, not property tax. One is a transportation tax that we're extending that's not a tax increase that's something we've already been been paying and it's it's incredibly critical for transportation funding in the county about a quarter of all transportation. Uh, is paid for out of that tax and basically everything new is how county officials put it so any um new new roads new bridges and all the bus service uh anything for pedestrians and uh bike infrastructure is paid for out of that so really important um although it's you know Expected to pass since it is a tax extension. The other two county taxes are new, and they're to pay for, you know, as you mentioned in your introduction, wildfire mitigation and emergency services. And by that, I mean ambulance, a little bit of fire in that one too, and then search and rescue. Um, you know, on an open space vegetation and, and things like that. There's there's often a lot of rescues when people go hiking and and get injured or or something of that nature. Um, and and that tax will help to support the volunteer organizations that do that work. Uh, A large chunk of it is going to pay for a facility that the county will own, but that Rocky Mountain Rescue you will use to store their equipment along with the county equipment as well. So I would say those are three pretty big tax uh, measures to look out for.
0: I know for me, when I've done election coverage in the past, there are certain issues that really get my excitement up. So which one of these gets you just like, oh, my gosh, I love talking about this issue?
3: Oh, (laughs) I don't know that I love talking about any of these issues um, personally. But in the city of Boulder, there is a measure to move local elections, which is city council elections to even years instead of now they're on odd years, 2019, 2021, etc. And I think that one is exciting because of the the potentials to increase voter turnout. Obviously, you know, this is not an endorsement of the measure, but when I did my research, so the way I, I do my voter guide is I try to list pros and cons for everything. And when I did my research, I talked to several uh, researchers and um, academics and experts in voter turnout and local election law. And it was just pretty clear across the board that this is a, a one simple measure that will really increase voter turnout if that's something you value, then, then that's something exciting for you. Uh, I personally do value <laughs> democracy and people voting, so I would say that's that's interesting, and it's also been quite controversial. Um, interestingly, there are folks uh, opposing that, and their reasons are that you know we could create some some orphan elections in odd years not everything can be moved to even years school board races for example i I don't have any research showing that that is the case although the research was just showing that school board races have very low turnout already because they're in odd years so one would think that would that would be exacerbated but i I don't really know so I i find that one interesting and exciting because it's about democracy and that's, a, that's something that on the national and international level, you know, is, is being threatened. So to see that uh, issue play out locally and to have folks arguing against increasing voter turnout is, is something interesting to me. But um, I wouldn't say that anything has gotten me excited. There are some issues that I am exhausted by and can't wait for them to be over. <laughs> but that's
0: something different. No, absolutely. And I think it's really important what you mentioned about listing those pros and cons and teasing out those controversial ballot measures. And I think some of the ones that I noticed a lot in looking through both my ballot and the guide is that there's a lot of tax related issues, both at the local level and the state level. Um, Which of these do you think is the most interesting or surprising? Which one should we keep an eye on, do you think?
3: Well, I would say the transportation tax is certainly the most um, crucial to continue. And again, that's not a tax increase. That's an extension. But I agree. And I, I, have, I do have a story in the works about how many tax measures there are, Um and you know, in the city of Boulder, we haven't turned down a local tax since 2009. We have approved every local tax since that time, the last tax we turned down was an affordable housing tax, um, which is probably coming back to bite us. And that there will be an affordable housing tax at the state level for folks to vote on, but it's quite a lot. Our, our sales tax rate could increase um, by 0.3% and uh, our pro- you know property taxes could also increase quite substantially under the library district. Um, I don't, I don't know the exact increases for the Boulder Valley school district bond, but those are also, you know, that's also significant. Um, so I, I just look at them as a whole and I, it, this is a tricky one because our property values are increasing. That's why our taxes are going up. Those of us who own property and I am among them are, you know, making a killing so to speak by doing nothing. And I'm, I'm acutely aware of that. Um, and of what we owe to our society to put back into it of that that windfall. However, I'm not seeing those gains. I'm one of the few who is still incredibly, you know, fairly low income. And so I do have to pause and think of like, okay, what can I afford here? Um, I know one that has gotten a lot of attention is the library district because it is the biggest property tax increase on the ballot. It's, you know, a couple hundred dollars if you have a million dollar home. Um, I think I looked up for my, my home and it's about $70 a year. So, so not quite that much. Um, but this is a move to take Boulder's city library and make it into its own self-governing library district. There are quite a few of these in Colorado 57. So it's not a new concept and it moves a library from being dependent on sales tax to property tax, which is much more stable. There are a lot of, a lot of things here to consider about the library district and um Also, I I will be completely honest and say for me, it came down to how much are my taxes going up because I am on that lower income end. So um, that's one I would would urge folks to carefully consider.
0: This was a really great chat, and for listeners who want more election coverage, be sure to stay tuned after the show because we'll be hearing um, from some RTD candidates in Boulder County, and listeners can also find more of Shay's work, including extensive local election coverage at boulderbeat.news. Shay, thanks as always for coming on The Morning Magazine. Absolutely. It was a pleasure. Many cities across the country, but especially in the Front Range, are experiencing a housing crisis, with costs far outpacing the wage hikes. One of the effects has been an increase in homelessness. At the same time, some cities have enacted stricter laws to punish activities associated with not having a home. This criminalization tends to funnel unhoused individuals into the jail or courts systems, but some cities, including Boulder, are also trying a different approach, community courts. KGNU's Shannon Young has the story. Every Tuesday afternoon, a section of Boulder's Central Park
4: transforms into an open-air outreach center.
5: So I just graduated from Colorado State University in what I refer to as boot camp bureaucracy.
4: Jen Livovich is the executive director of Feet Forward, a small nonprofit she founded during COVID to respond to the needs of the local unhoused population. Feet Forward organizes the weekly events in Boulder's Central Park to provide goods and services Livovich says she needed when she herself was homeless.
5: So the goal here is for us to try to attract as many of the people who are experiencing homelessness in our community to us. Because And a lot of people don't like that, right? They don't want to attract homeless people, but the reality is, is you need to attract homeless people to offer them solutions and help them.
4: At the weekly outreach event, Feet Forward offers free meals, weather-appropriate clothing, orientation for navigating complex bureaucratic systems and spaces for service providers to connect with people in need. Angel, who preferred to speak on a first-name basis only, helps to prepare the food and coordinate the clothing donations.
5: When I got off the street, I wanted to work with Jen because Jen helped me when I was on the street. And how were you able to get off of the street? Um, Well, I got sober and um, started working
6: um,
4: um, with uh, Chris from and he got me um, housed. The Chris Angel refers to is Christopher Reynolds, supervising prosecutor in the Boulder City Attorney's Office. He's also with the city's community court system, which sometimes sets up a table during the weekly outreach events at the Bandshell.
7: We're trying to meet people where they are. Our uh, community court program is focused on people who are currently unhoused.
4: Reynolds says they try to connect with individuals who have tickets for low-level municipal offenses.
7: We do things like help them apply for a uh, Colorado ID or a social, social security card or get connected with the housing process. And in return, we dismiss their tickets.
4: Boulder's community court has been operating for about two years. New York City established the first community court in the U.S. in 1993 to pioneer the model of alternative treatments for offenses that oftentimes trace back to a root cause of extreme poverty or lack of access to essential services.
7: I'm proud of the uh, Boulder Community Court program because it's, it takes a non-punitive, non-traditional approach to dealing with uh, cases where fines, jail time, those things, not helpful. What really helps is helping people get their basic needs met, and the most principal basic need is housing. And that's really what our focus is, It's trying to divert cases from the criminal justice system and help people access housing resources.
4: Earlier this month, observers from the community court in Austin, Texas were in town to see how Boulders operates and to offer feedback based on their own 23 years of experience. Peter Valdez, court administrator for Austin's community court, had this advice. The biggest thing is to to uh, create your menu of resources that you have in-house so that you're able to immediately connect people to services when you engage them through the court processes or when they come to you voluntarily. And you're able to provide those services in-house as opposed to relying on what's available in the community and uh, losing time trying to connect
8: people to those services.
4: Sometimes those who have lived experience climbing out of homelessness can be the most effective navigators. Like Feet Forward's Jen Livovich, Angel also got an education and turned around to use it to help others. I got
5: a, a certificate, I am a certified recovery coach. So that better helps me deal with people and their and mental problems, and drug problems and all that. And I also, I like to help people that just get housed because it was so hard for me even and, and I knew, I don't know. People have trouble, they don't know what they need when they're inside and it's really hard to get dropped inside and nobody knows. You know, there's nobody there to help you.
4: Feet Forward founder, Jen Livovich, agrees the current human services system is a bit of a patchwork, but that the authorities need to include those with lived experience in their solution plans.
5: So as a person that used to be one of the people coming to my own event today, I can tell you that um, homeless people are told what to do, how to do and when to do it or more like what not to do, right? And they don't really have any representation at the tables where those decisions are made.
4: But at least in many cities, the community court system and meeting those in need where they're at seems like a step in the right direction. For KGNU, I'm Shannon Young in Boulder, Colorado.
0: Up next is Make Them Hear You with Chris Moore. Make them hear
7: you,
8: make them hear you. This is Make Them Hear You with ideas how you can have your voice heard before Congress. If you have limited time between now and Election Day on November 8th, now is the time to do whatever you can to get out the vote. You can still write letters to increase voter participation with a little guidance from Vote Forward, convince five friends to go vote, go on social media and encourage your friends there to vote. And if you have time after that, consider the Senate Bill 1275, Family Violence Prevention and Services Improvement Act, a bill to amend the Family Violence Bill. The Family Violence and Prevention Services Act, FVPSA, provides dedicated funding for advocacy, safe shelter, and culturally appropriate supportive services for domestic violence victims. Permanent funding for a national Indian domestic violence hotline is included. As the National Indigenous Women's Resource Center says, having a culturally appropriate hotline set up, especially for Native Americans experiencing domestic violence, can make the difference between a woman being helped and a woman being missing. Quote, domestic violence is not traditional. If you or a loved one is being hurt in a relationship, call, text, chat 844-762-8483. This is a safe domestic and sexual violence helpline for natives. Our indigenous values reflected in our languages and teachings remind us that women are sacred. Domestic violence ends when we reclaim our traditional values of respect and compassion and honor the sacredness of women, close quote. Fewer than half of 574 federally recognized Indian tribes receive funding to help with domestic violence. And the rates of domestic violence, disappearances, and murders among Native Americans are staggering. A 2016 study by the National Institute of Justice found that more than four in five American Indian and Alaska Native women have experienced violence in their lifetime, including 56.1% who have experienced sexual violence. 39.8% of American Indian and Alaska Native women had experienced violence, including 14.4% who had recently experienced sexual violence. Over 1.5 million American Indian and Alaska Native women have experienced violence in their lifetime. If you have an opinion on Senate Bill 1275, Family Violence Prevention and Services Improvement Act, which will create more culturally appropriate ways for Native Americans and other minorities to get support in times of crisis, you can contact your senators. And once again, Get Out the Vote activities are in high gear right now, so remember to help your local GOTV organization to mobilize voters for next month. Sign up to take part in a nonpartisan get get-out-the-vote phone bank, such as the ones organized by the Center for Common Ground. Contact vote forward immediately to write personal letters to go out to people who didn't vote in the last election. This is Chris Moore with Make Them Hear You.
0: Time now for Naturally, with herbalist Brigitte
6: Mars. Greetings, this is Brigitte Mars on Naturally, You all know I love plants, right? I've been talking about them on KGNU for many decades, I think like 40. But there's one plant that I think you Colorado residents should know about because it is going to prove to be trouble. The tree is called Tree of Heaven, Alianthus altissima. It is native to China and it makes great shade, However, it loves to grow right near the foundation of your building, and it can uproot your house, your basement from the foundation. Where I live, our condo HOA had to pay $700 to have two trees removed. So what does this tree look like? Well, Alianthus altissima, or tree of heaven, looks a lot like a sumac but it has a a terminal leaf at the end. You just might want to Google it. And if you see it coming up right next to your property, you should pull it up while it's young because within two years, it can produce about 300,000 seeds and it can send up shoots even 50 feet away from the parent tree. And it's taking over. I see it taking over a lot of native habitats, places where Elder trees and grapes are going growing. So I don't think we want this one here. It smells like peanut butter. That's really the way to describe it. When you crush the leaves, it smells just like peanut butter. You gotta pull it up when it's young, because if you don't, it just keeps coming back. And I see houses where my friends used to sit on the porch and now the tree is taken over and their porch is covered. And they have to sit on the sidewalk. Hmm. All right. So if you ever read the book, A Tree Grows in Brooklyn, Tree of Heaven is that same kind of tree. So people liked it because it provided shade. And in Asian medicine, it has been used as medicine for malaria, for dysentery. It's nauseatingly bitter. So it's not something that we're going to want to eat. So I'm sure it has a purpose. I think it's gonna cause us to pay attention. And even though I love plants, I love trees, they provide oxygen for our cities. I just see that this one is going to be a problem if you don't pull it up while it's young. And keep your eyes open for it. It's really becoming invasive. So just thought you should know. Thanks for joining me, Brigitte Mars on Naturally. That's all the
0: time we have for today's Morning Magazine. I've been your host, Hannah Stewart. Shannon Young has been our producer. Special thanks to Christian Garabai, Claire Purnell, Alexis Kenyon, Chris Moore, and Brigitte Mars for their contributions to today's program. Stay tuned for the Hightower Lowdown and then an RTD candidate
6: forum. That's just after these news headlines from the BBC.